Yes, I live in LA now. I've been there for a long time. The longest I've been anywhere, actually. Oh, so yeah. it's, things are working out pretty well, it sounds like? Yeah, I mean, it sort of, by accident, became my home. <laughs> <laughs> you were moving there, so there was some expectation that you would live there for some period of time. Well, when I say that, I guess what I mean is, like, I moved around so much when I was a kid mm. that no place that I ever lived in really felt like home, per se. Where do you say you're from when people ask? Uh, mostly Michigan. Okay. It was that just the place you spent the longest amount of time in or yeah, the most formative years? Yeah, I mean, fifth grade through high school. We moved around a lot before that. I um, I, I went to like nine different elementary schools hmm. before the fifth grade. So. Or those like years when you're like figuring yeah. out how to make friends. And Those of us who didn't move around much always had that fantasy of like, you know, when seventh grade – like junior high or middle school rolled around that we could just have like a fresh group of people to, to sort of reinvent ourselves and yeah. for better or for worse you had the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I did. I didn't really um I don't know, I don't think introducing that when you're really little sure. is a good idea because you still haven't figured out how to make friends. So if you're constantly having your environment change um for me it just caused me to feel more and more shy. Yeah. And every time I would I would always be the new girl somewhere, and there's this spotlight on you because everyone – you're like the the fresh new mm-hmm. person there, and everyone pays attention to you. And it always – at the time, it just – I just wanted to curl up into a little ball and, like, hide in the corner. I didn't want all that attention. It was unwanted attention at yeah. the time. But I, I think as a performer now, what's nice is that when I go on stage, I'm choosing that attention. So – it's a much different thing. I, I don't. It's not like I, I don't feel weird having the spotlight on me. But mm-hmm. when I was a kid, like having that constantly change all the time is not helpful. What's a coping mechanism you had to sort of to, to deal with that? I just became really day quiet. Like okay, I don't know. so I guess it's a coping mechanism of the sort. Yeah, I was I was like really quiet. I didn't want. It's weird because I, I think I would have been very different as a kid. Like because mm-hmm. I'm actually like who I am as a person. Like. Um, I think, you know, I'm more outgoing and I can tend to be a little bossy and like sassy, you know, but as a, as a kid moving around all the time, I don't know. I just, uh, I am introverted, but I, as I've gotten older, I've become more extroverted. So I'm like, I ride the line of those two things. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's good. It's a good thing to figure out about yourself. You know, I've, I've kind of had this, this weird issue in my own life where, um, you know, I can like talk to a stranger on a podcast or I can like go on a radio show or a TV show or interview somebody on stage. But if I go to a party where I don't know anybody, I just completely shut down. It's different, right? It's different when you know you're sort of putting yourself in a performative position. Yeah, I suppose so. Like, yeah, when you're in a social position, um, for yeah, for me, it's like if I'm in the mood for it, then I'm fine. But if I'm not, then I'm not. So... Do you, do you yeah. think having gone through that at, at that early stage made you more of a performer? I mean, did that have an impact in on what you do now? It I don't know. It probably did some somehow. I I don't know. It's hard to say. I do feel like I have. I mean, I have no idea what I would be doing if I didn't have the you know didn't move around all the time and have like you know the family that I had and everything. Uh, I think I might be a lot more boring, perhaps. <laughs> This is like technically your your debut album. I mean, it sounds like that's something that you've really recently figured out that that 
doing it the way that you're doing it now is a relatively mm-hmm. new thing for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess part of part of that, maybe part of that reaction to that attention has made me cautious about letting myself grow as a person and figure mm. out who I am before wanting that attention. And for me, it's taken longer in a sense, which I actually think is a really nice thing Yeah, in our culture, especially as a woman too. It's just like, there's this stigma about getting older and all of that. And, uh, I, as I get older, I just think I'm so much cooler and more interesting <laughs> than I was in my twenties. So you're whatever. maybe glad that the first record didn't come out when you were like 19 and still trying to figure yeah. all that shit out. You know, like I, it's funny. I lived here when I was 19 and I had a manager and he's taking me around to labels and stuff. And so I I wonder what would have happened if I had gone that path. But at the time, I just didn't feel like I was ready. And I didn't feel like I had anything to say yet. How were you in that position, though, that you had the manager that that this sort of that somebody was trying to get the ball rolling on that career for you? They saw they saw me singing and thought I was talented. Okay. And I had been writing songs, you know, since I was like. 16 or whatever and so why did you put the kibosh on that at the time well like i said i um i didn't feel it scared me yeah like the world scared me i i my the my upbringing did not set me up for success my parents didn't Mm. know what they were doing (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know do anyone's really at the end of the day you know if you put my parents next in a line next to like parents that yeah you know, sure, whatever, yeah, like, definitely. How would you define that? Like in 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 my environment, my environment was constantly changing. Mm-hmm. My my dad was an abusive alcoholic. My mother was not being treated well. Yeah, and my brother and I had to kind of be in that this environment that was constant. We were and we were constantly moving. So there was no, there was just no stability anywhere. We were raising ourselves, and and in fact, I felt very responsible to take care of my mom from the time I was like five or six years old. So, a kid should never have to feel that sure. way, you know. Yeah. Um, and you should feel, you should know, you should know when you're at home that this is where I feel safe, and this is where. I can depend on these older people to, like, love and nurture mm-hmm. me. There was some of that to a degree, but, you know, like... You weren't completely raised by wolves? <laughs> I, I mean, I, that's actually a joke that I have. I was like, I, yeah. I've been raised, I was raised by wolves. Yeah. But, I mean, my mom was, like, 20 when she had me. Yeah. That's something that, I, that I've that i sort of figured out as I've hit various milestones in my own life that, like, obviously there are certain things that, that you aren't willing to and probably shouldn't forgive and you know maybe being an abusive alcoholic is one of those things but like the flip side of that is when you realize like where you were and what you were doing when you were like 20 25 you're willing to sort of forgive a lot more of your parents mistakes i mean there's no way yeah, i could have totally. raised a child at, at 20 or 25 no, totally... i still don't feel ready <laughs> yeah totally like totally messed that kid up yeah for sure yeah i mean so i think because i didn't really I didn't have that foundation of like that kind of like nurturing and like, like, hey, you know, trust your intuition and all of this stuff. Yeah. Like so much of my purpose growing up was my role was 
taking care of everyone else. Mm. You know, my mom got remarried and then I had three little sisters to also take care of and sort of watch over because my stepdad wasn't great either. So it was just like, oh, God, it was a lot to deal with, man. (laughs) Is, is that what I'm surprised that I came out that you're as well adjusted as you yeah, are? Yeah. yeah, you know they say that you're given what you can handle, and I'm like, man, I must be really strong. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I don't. It's a weird saying. A lot of people are given what they can't handle. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I mean, yeah, that's true. I, certainly, there are like coping mechanisms, and and I guess like you having to deal that with that at an earlier age like made you better at least dealing with that aspect of things. Yeah. I mean, I think now in my life, what it has, that has prepared me for just like is, is having compassion for people, Mm -hmm. like no matter where they're at, because you don't, you don't really know where, where people are coming from and why they act the way that they do and, um, hurt people, hurt people, you know? So there's that angle. And also, you know, I, I'd like to, I would like to, you know, be a voice for, like, kids that grow up in those, like, abusive situations. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's just it's so hard to feel like you have a voice. Do you channel that into the music? Is that something that you... I think so. Yeah. Um, I think this record is very... It it has a... It's, like, equal equal parts, like, reality, the realities of heartbreak and... Mm losing faith and um literally yeah but then also still there there's a through line of hope that's um you can hear it in the production and like uh you can hear it in some of the lyrics you know like at the end of oh well oh well it's like i'm gonna be i'm gonna be okay and Mm -hmm. then there's this triumphant like piano and string section for I think eight measures or something that like <laughs> just like kind of go out with like a, yeah with a bang you know yeah. that's the hope is definitely like a, that's a through line. Was there any support growing up for your musical ambitions? Yeah, you know, I think my mom was always like really supportive. I was kind of like a little performer, mm-hmm. like I f- like around my family and stuff. Like I was. Uh, I would like, you know, kind of take over and entertain everybody Mm -hmm. and stuff. And I actually got involved in musical theater when I was in high school. And uh, like my sophomore year, I tried out for Guys and Dolls and I I got this part as Miss Adelaide. And she was like, she's like the really, she's the comedic. Brassy, brassy lady. Yeah. Yeah. And it it helped me channel a lot of like this part of myself that had sort of been squashed for a long Mm. time. And, um, and that was like really great because it was like, it gave me and everyone else a chance to see like, oh my God, like, wow, there's that part of you we haven't seen since you were like a little kid or whatever, you know? So musical theater played a big role in like, at that point in my life to like, kind of like encourage me to like, be like, yeah, you can, you can pursue things that you like, like, that's good. And, um... And my mom would always dream with me. My mom's a big dreamer. So mm. she's always been like one of my biggest cheerleaders as far as like, go for your dreams, shoot for the stars. <laughs> you know, it's really sweet like that. Is musical theater what brought you out to New York? Yeah. Um, I went to the American Musical Dramatic Academy uh-huh. and 
I ended up dropping out after the first year. <laughs> what happened? I just, I, you know, like, I grew up in this small town in Michigan, Sturgis, Michigan. And I was, like, the lead in the musical like, every year. And that was my thing. Big, big fish, small pond. Yeah. And then I came here and I was, like, so overwhelmed. And yeah. it was very brave of me to move out here, which is... Like, did it did, feel? How did I do that? I did could, it feel brave at the time, or did it just feel like something that you had to do? It kind of felt like something I had to do. Yeah. And after that first year, I was like, I don't really know if this is what I want to do in life per se. Like people, like musical theater in a small town, yeah, is very different than like what the musical theater community really is. It's like when I, and when I went to school for it, I, I was like, Oh my God, these people are so overwhelming. They're constantly like singing and dancing mm-hmm. and acting all the time. Like it was just like, Whoa. Meanwhile, I was like writing songs in my dorm room and like hiding away. Did you like start to second guess your own abilities at the time when you were comparing yourself against these obviously very I'm, talented I'm sure people? I was, yeah. I mean, I was like 18 or 19 sure. Um, and hadn't really had any like formal training in in any of those things, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think it's easy. I think it's easy to compare yourself like sure. when you're younger to sure. other people. And also at the time too, you know, I'd been writing like these sort of like folk songs and stuff. I started playing guitar when I was like 17. And so at the same time I had this other, these two paths kind of going parallel towards each other. And, and I kind of found like I, I felt more comfortable you know, I felt more comfortable writing my own songs mm-hmm. and creating my own stories. Like, I didn't know if I really wanted to, like, have to fit into someone else's world so much. And since I didn't really know who I was and what world it was that I wanted to create quite yet, like, it made that feel like when I had the manager opportunity come along and stuff, like, it made me sort of, it made me kind of like, I, it's, it's almost like I did what I did as, like, a little kid. It's like I, like, hid away. You know, like it was just I was very scared. And you're you're more vulnerable in putting yourself out there in a very different way when you're performing your own songs. Yeah, totally. Right. And my songs at the time, the songs that I was writing for a long time were very personal and they were helping me to um they were helping me to process like my own pain. So they were very private for me. Mm. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I need to go become famous at 21. Like I have something to say, like, you know what I mean? Like you had something to say, but not necessarily to others. I didn't know how to say it yet. And, and also at the time it was like, when I remember when I was 19, it was like Britney Spears and I was like living here and it was like Christina Aguilera mm-hmm. and Britney Spears. That was what people wanted to hear. In my mind, I was like, no one wants to hear a 19, a 19 year old folk singer. Yeah. I'm so old, you know, like I, and oh, my you mind, thought you were too old I at the time. I thought I was too old. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> which is funny because it's, it's not like that, the, the Britney Spears thing has ever gone away. I mean, she's gone away, but you know, pop culture has kind of remain the same since totally and i mean they just cycle through teenagers exactly and so it was just i i just remember thinking that though it's like no one's gonna want to hear what i have to say so you're like this is it i'm done my my songwriting (laughs) career is done no i just felt like i needed more time okay and then i 
<laughs> I and then I started dating someone and we ended up getting married after a very short time. <laughs> that was sort of like a yeah. I was going along in this path and then it was sort of like I don't know, I did some sort of like weird U-turn, not U-turn. I don't know what it was. It was sort of like in retrospect, it almost fe- feel feels like this is this is my ticket to hide away for a while and hibernate and heal from my childhood and figure out who I am and and write more. You know, that wasn't what I consciously thought at the time, but I knew I was terrified of being alone in the world. Yeah. I knew no one had taught me how to do that. And the person that I married was a little bit older, 25, and like seemed like Oh, like this, a protective kind of like, almost like a parental kind of <laughs> protection in a way. This, that was something I never had. So it was yeah. easy for me to, to be like, oh, that feels good. Maybe that's what love is. We're not married anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny though. I mean, cause like, I suspect that part of like what gave you the courage to leave in the first place was not wanting to repeat some of those things, right? Not, not wanting to deal with what your mother had dealt with and like what other people in this small town had dealt with. So that, pushed you out but then you came out and in a way you kind of went back into the world right by getting married at 21 yeah i don't even know it's it was such a bizarre choice <laughs> to be honest very bizarre but once i was in it i was like how long did it, it take you to realize that it was a bizarre choice i don't know i mean i think i think i i didn't consciously let myself think that that was bizarre it just and felt like the thing to do. It just, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, there there were pulling me in that. Yeah. There was more pulling me in that direction than there was. But it's sort of like this. This is what know. grown ups do, right? They yeah, it's go like, to work oh, and this, they get married. And... You know, a lot of my friends ha- had gotten married at that point. Yeah. It was like I was twenty, like you know, and I had thought like I don't want to get. I remember saying I don't want to get married till I'm like in my late twenties or something, and then you know my friends got married and. It was, it was weird. It just kind of happened. I kind of felt like I was, you know, my ex-husband is a very charismatic person. Mm. So it just seemed like that would work. That was the thing that would work out. That was right. on. It was right on paper. Charismatic is a tricky word. Yeah. And I mean, he wasn't right. He wasn't right yeah. for me. Yeah. But you, you stuck it out for a while. Yeah, we did. We stuck it out for a really long time. And that's, um, I would say, probably a result of our, both of our background and like growing up in the church and like, you know, divorce is bad. And, you know, my mom had been married and divorced twice at that point already. So I was like, I don't want to be like my mom, you know, and actually getting a divorce when I was like 28 or 29, it was totally amicable. It was like the most beautiful, like redemptive divorce you could ever think of. I mean, we're still friends Mm -hmm. and we support each other in life and, you know, like maybe have lunch once a year or something. And <laughs> like, and it's so nice. And um, just the way that thing, the things we allowed each other to have a second chance, basically, yeah. you know, and it's so cool too. Cause I mean, we were still so young at that point. Like there's so much life to be lived still and to figure out. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm really grateful that, and, and I think, you know, like maybe, maybe, uh, Going through that and figuring out early in life that doing what seems right on paper isn't necessarily what's right for yeah. you, you know, and uh, and 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 going into life more so with like trusting your 
intuition about things instead of but that wasn't something everyone anyone ever taught me to do you know so i was like this is what seems like a smart person would do i don't know i think that's something that we do like we do that with our careers too we set our expectations based on the success of others and when we don't achieve that success it feels like a failure yeah that that can be true i suppose i think for for me experiencing what felt like the it was going to be the worst thing in the world like aside from like dying divorce. yeah like yeah. going through the divorce that ended up being a catalyst for catapulting myself into the world hmm. and and after that and 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 no i mean like i knew what my purpose was at that point i was like i have to be doing music like it's crazy that i didn't think that it was and i and i was doing it for the joy of it too because there had been so much suffering and pain. I was like, I'm going to do music because it brings me joy, simply that. And then maybe it'll bring me more than joy in return at some point. So, I mean, it was really helpful to, to go through the divorce for me personally because I think, I think you know, when you go through life and you, you kind of like have so much stuff kind of glommed on top of you and people tell you you're this and like you grew up in this kind of environment and your culture tells you you're this kind of thing. And I don't know, like you're figuring out who you are in the midst of that. If you, the two of you had decided to stick it out, you know, if you were still married today, you don't think you would have a musical career now? Um, I tried to pursue music when we were married, and it, it, it didn't work out very well. Why? Um, It just felt like it was weirdly being kind of sabotaged mm. in some way. It was very strange. Self-sabotage or? I, I don't know. Like, it, it was... I don't think it was necessarily that. Do you find that he was that he's more supportive now that you're not married of your career than he was when you were together? I mean, he was supportive then, too, but somehow at the time everything ended up kind of being about like his career i can be competitive in relationships it's not healthy but it's a hard thing to avoid and to know when to be supportive of someone else and to well, i think them... especially when you're young too yeah. like faith plays a role in the record too did going through that in your life change your relationship with the with church with your own faith definitely but i mean to be honest i've never really felt like i belonged in a church building mm. per se. I've always felt, and I still do feel, uh, very. I, I I I feel like I have a, a close relationship with God in the sense that I've always felt God with me. But like the church itself, like I I don't know. I think also because of my upbringing, I have a hard time with authority. I have mm -hmm. a hard time with. People telling me what to do and, and that's how to all live. All church is right. It can it can feel that way. <laughs> yeah. It can feel that way because the message, instead of instead of understanding that these commandments or whatever are there because they free you from things. There's freedom in not. There's freedom in abstaining from doing what, like. Hmm. your flesh quote unquote yeah. wants to do right like there's this there's supposed to be this freedom in that but it ends up becoming just like kind of a legalistic thing i think for a lot of people and it's just easier for it to become that but then the actual like message actually then in fact is like 
totally lost at that point. What's your relationship then with God at this point, if there's no sort of like formal practice involved? I mean, there's a formal practice involved. Like I, I, I chip, I chip away at having conversations with, with God. I chip away at like, I'll read my Bible and I'll chip away at things and like ask questions and have doubts. And I was saying this in a very like kind of pragmatic way as somebody who like was raised Jewish, but was never particularly religious. What is, mm-hmm. what does having a conversation with God mean? Like I write in my journal mm-hmm. and I say, dear God, <laughs> I, have, I like say you, what you I'm do thinking. The, the Judy Bloom thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just what I've always done. Yeah. Yeah. You're actually writing letters. How do you receive or that ju- information? Or just, I mean, like I talk to God the way I talk to yeah. The way I'm talking to you, I talk to God the way I talk to yeah. anybody. There's a difference, you know, in like sitting across the table from somebody and having like an active conversation, right? Yeah. I think talking to God involves having faith uh, that A, God exists yeah. and that he cares. I just happen to have experienced too many things in my life, even in the midst of the struggle and mm-hmm. the this, like different suffering and, and things like that, I w- would have loved to not have gone through. I also happen to have experienced... A lot of like beautiful, miraculous things in my life that I can only attribute to being like loved by God. And I can't think of anything super specific right now without making it sound like I'm a crazy person. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, you know I mean? you're like, you're here, you, you, you've survived, you yeah, seem like yeah, a, yeah. I mean, a pretty well put together and, and genuinely just, happy person. Life is this interesting thing, you yeah. know, like we are like, we live in these bodies and who we really are is this spirit that lives inside of us. Mm. And like, you know, if that's true, then I can't imagine not believing that there's uh, someone bigger. Yeah. You know, what do you, I don't know. What do you think? You're like, let's not talk about me. No, no, it's fine. I'm I'm just, I'm just kind of generally agnostic. I'm very wishy-washy when it comes to God. I mean, and and I totally, I can appreciate that. And I understand that it's hard to, it's hard to commit to saying yes or no. Sure. You know? Yeah. Whether or not it's like the Bible, you know, a very like literal version, but there's never any doubt that there's something there. Honestly, when I was six years old, I mean, and, you can put it in the in the the literal framework yeah. of my life was I lived in a chaotic household where there was like physical abuse happening like to my mom and um it was it was traumatic you know and I went to, I I went to church with my grandparents and I loved what I felt when I sang like the worship songs and I felt I felt safe there which is something I didn't have at home and I went to uh, whatever, like a little – that morning I went to like a children's church, you know? Yeah, like a Sunday school. And they told us about or, Jesus. Yeah. And, and I was like, wait, are you kidding me? Jesus loves me? Like this person did all these miracles and like mm-hmm. Jesus loves me? Like I want that. I need that in my life, you know? Uh, something unconditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I like – I rose my hand. I was like – I want Jesus, you know, and, and I raised my hand the next week, you know, cause I thought like maybe Jesus would leave me. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just had like a really personal experience with the person of Jesus and I can't say, and that, that's a, that's a memory that's like ingrained and on my soul, mm. you know? And that's like, that's very personal to me. So 
it's I don't know. It's not a popular thing to uh, maybe. I don't know about that. Whatever. I mean, I think you know at least like the I think a majority of people in the United States identify themselves as Christian to some but degree. But that's right? the problem is like a yeah. lot of those people are. <laughs> It's just sort of like a default, like boxy well, check people, or something. Like, voted yeah. for Trump, you know. Yeah, well, like, there is so, that aspect of it. That, so that's embarrassing. I mean, yeah. When you live in LA and you like come to New York, like absolutely, like the the view of that is is going to be very different. And I think in cities, which tend to be more left leaning, there is that kind of view that those things are are tied together. Right. Yeah. Especially when he's like up there, like t- you know, like hug- hugging the Bible or whatever in that that horrible oh, way he does. Harsh. I mean, I just think that. Uh, I, I don't know. I I, I think that uh, it's it's an important conversation to continue yeah. having with people. Like I think I don't feel uncomfortable having this conversation. Like I love theorizing about how yeah. the world really works. Like what is God scientifically? I'm not afraid of those questions and I've lost my faith before and I gained it back. I, I don't know. But I honestly think that it, that if, if it's the thing that, like, helped you get through that, then that's enough, you know? If it's the thing that you had when you were dealing with this horrible stuff in your life, then that should be that should be enough. I mean, definitely. I think it's it, – it, it has it has been enough. And, and, I mean, when I came back to my faith, I, I basically – I kind of felt like I walked through this period where I felt like everything – I was – I just felt like I hadn't – I was totally lost in the dark. I had no idea what I was doing. What do you mean came back? I mean at what point in your life was it less clear than it is now? I mean I like – around the time that I wrote some of these songs mm. um, is when I had like – I had lost my faith. It was like – it was like I woke up one day and it was like this language that I had – known my whole life, just like I couldn't speak it anymore. We're talking about, I guess, you know, maybe about a 10-year period between the, your divorce and and kind of now and the album coming out. At what point do you sort of sit down and really start writing again in earnest? Um, some of them were written as early as 2011, mm. some of them 2015. Okay. Like It was that period between, you know, going through that Kind of yeah, situation. yeah. It, everything that was written has been was written between this period yeah. of time after the divorce and um, and now. Yeah, you know, we worked on the record for like four years, so uh, we started making it in 2015, I guess. So putting a song that I'd written in 2011 was not a big deal. When when was it clear that you were actually making a record, though? When, you know, when when did you go from writing, which is something that you'd always done to some degree. I'm this is something I'm taking really serious now and I really I'm gonna have an album out. Well, after my divorce I was like, I'm doing music, so I was yeah, serious about it at that point and But um, you knew you were doing music in the way that you're doing it now? It took some time because yeah. uh you know, I made the decision to make it my career. So I did actually put out a solo album in two thousand ten. But no one knows about it. <laughs> why why is that what happened? Because because yeah, people- it was so different. I was like, yeah. I don't want people to hear this. Like, it was a it was a good experience. It was like, it was a good experience. I was proud of those songs. Why um, Why production. didn't you want people to hear them if you were proud of them? Well, they 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 did. Some people heard yeah. them, but they're not available anymore. I might re-release them at some point. Okay. But then after that, I was a part of several bands, and um, and through that whole process is like how I kind of figured out like what my own identity what I wanted my own identity as an artist to be because uh in the beginning it was sort of like it was hard because I write so many different kinds of songs 
Um, and after the process of putting out the first record, I didn't want to go through that again because I actually spent a lot of my divorce settlement on that record. And I didn't know how to, like, pay my bills or anything it like that. It should have just been called the Divorce Settlement Record know, or something. It's like, just, that's kind of perfect. Uh, could have been a country album. Yeah. It, it definitely could have. But, yeah, I don't know. I just learned a lot of different lessons. And So when, when you say you're figuring out your kind of your identity as an artist, I mean, can you, can you define that? And how that's different from the you in 2010 and then the 19-year-old folky you? There are different things, like figuring out what you, like people ask you questions like, who do you sound like? What genre of music do you, Mm -hmm. are you in or whatever? Um, And I guess people would sort of put me in this category of like singer songwriter. um, And that you sing and write songs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And Uh, the the LA thing is really easy too, to like, to start like Laurel Canyoning people. Right. Sure. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But my first experience with the the first record I made, like, I had no say in the production. I was very green. I didn't know, like, how to mm-hmm. go about making a record or any of that. Um, and the production was good, but it was, like, a little bit too, I don't know. It wasn't edgy enough for me. It wasn't sophisticated enough for me. And it took me a while to realize that. But a couple years later, I met AJ and we started making music together. And and then we had like a side project together called Nobel. We put out an EP in 2014. We co-wrote those songs and uh, figured out how to produce it all ourselves. Because I was like, he's like, well, we should make a record. And I was like, well, the, the record I made cost thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, like, and it's like, he's like, well, we're going to figure out how to do this ourselves. Hmm. And I was like, okay. So we just figured out how to do it ourselves. And we kind of like, you know, came up with our own production style together. And he's very, um, he's like a, he's a classically trained, you know, he's a classical guitarist and everything that he does is very pristine. I like to say that he chips away at things at Michelangelo and I throw things at the wall like yeah. Jackson Pollock. So the way that we work together is just really great, you know. So we, we made this first EP and it was a little too heady for me and a little, you know, like just the writing style with us together um, was, was a little too heady for my taste, but the musicality and the production of it was awesome. Heady in terms of lyrics or? Yeah, some of the lyrics yeah. and everything. Um, it didn't, I, I came out of that really proud of it, but I also didn't feel like, I thought that I was going to go into that with him and come out of it and be like, yeah, this is who I am. Yeah. This is who I want to be in the world. I want to be a Nobel forever, you know? And I came out of that and I was confused because I was like, I thought that I was going to feel different about this, you hmm. know? So then after that, I kind of fell ass backwards into an Americana trio. And <laughs> that was a whole other experience. And we made an EP as well. After that experience, all the three, all three of us had been solo artists as well. So that was like kind of hard, but also, you know, I think we all wanted to sort of do our own thing again. After that experience, it was like during that experience, I had already started making my solo album with AJ Manette, who was on the Nobel Project. Mm -hmm. So by that point, we had already figured out our production style. And what I mean by figuring out how you want to step out is like, like, I love, I love classic artists. Like, I don't, like Harry Nielsen or something Mm. like, you know, like, 
beautiful orchestrations. And by the time we started making my solo album, I had like a bunch of songs I wanted to make. And and I was actually here in New York in 2015. I was in an off-Broadway show called Lonesome Traveler. At the time, I was like, oh my gosh. I wrote this song called Make a Spark. And I was like, I have to make my album when I go home. And so when I came home, I started recording this record in May of 2015. You made a spark with Make a Spark. That really was sort of the... Yeah, I wrote, the this, I wrote this song and the tag at the very end is like, how can I be a work of art if I'm a coward with my heart? And that's like literally, you know, part of my waiting so long was like, I want to figure out who I am, you know, but also, I don't know, being afraid. It sounds like one of the issues you had with that earlier LP was that you were maybe too opaque about things that you were sort of that you were making a point to mask some of the things and not being super earnest i have no idea i just i think when you a say heady it, it sounds like you were just sort of like almost trying to sort of disguise some of these emotions oh well heady i mean i think i just say that because like those were co-writes mm-hmm. with aj and just our our style of writing i feel like his his headiness is is wonderful in how it serves string orchestrations mm. and he makes my songs shine so much brighter. He's able to see the story arc of where they're where they need to go like melodically and how can you change a chord like slightly to make it more interesting. But I think when there's too much of that it can become it became it can become something that doesn't really feel like me. So the line that you pulled from that song to as an example was was about being to me it it sounds like it's about sort of being more open with yourself and willing to take risks and being honest and sort of putting yourself out there in a way that you weren't before. Yeah. Definitely. But it but before I don't think I felt ready either. So there's that. <laughs> Is that sort of a defining characteristic of how this project is different from the others in that you're you're really putting yourself out there? Absolutely. And that's why this is is my like debut album, yeah. you know, like this is who I want to step out as and and sh- and like share with people. And I'm very proud of it and I feel like I've taken a decade of time to do the work and figure out what I want to say and how I want to say it. And I think a lot of artists don't really give themselves that. Music specifically prizes youth in a way that other art forms don't necessarily, to the point where this is, I was pointing this out to our friend Caroline, who I've known for a while. I was like, I think it was in the press release or something. It was like, at age 38, I was like, wow, is that, (laughs) I guess in music, that's like old to be putting out a debut record to the point that it like, that that would be in the press materials. Right, right. Which is kind of crazy. (laughs) You were dealing with this when you were 19, you felt you were too old. And, you know, certainly music seems to prize youth over absolutely everything else. I, I mean, I definitely felt that that was the case when I was younger, kind of scared me off. And even in my early 30s, like, I was like, this has to happen quick, you know? Like, yeah. I'm – the, the <laughs> clock die is – soon. The, talk, the clock is yeah. ticking. People are not going to believe if I tell them I'm actually – I'm 25 in an interview. Yeah. They're not going to believe me anymore, you know? And it's like – at some point, like, in my mid-30s, I was like, this is – this is bullshit. This is complete and utter bullshit. Like – I don't have to live my life based on what the world thinks is, like, the right age to be, to do something mm-hmm. that I love. Like, I can 
I can be 80 and like make music yeah. and because I love it. You can do anything if you love it. It doesn't matter how old you are. And like, and, and I, and I think a lot of younger artists need to hear this because there's so much anxiety about getting older. And I can only speak for women because it really plagues women, you know, but I'm sure it plagues guys too. It's, it's just, I don't know. I, I just think I'm really glad that somehow I was able to like yeah. get over that. <laughs> Is there a sense of regret though that you didn't go for it in this way earlier? You know, it feels like the right time. Yeah. So for, for my life, like there was no way that it was going to be the right time until now. So I, there's that aspect. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, like I wonder sometimes, like I wonder where I would be if I was – I wonder what kind of tours I'd be getting now. Sure. It's a dangerous game to play, though. If I had just gone for it when I was 19 yeah. and I wasn't afraid. And there's no way to know that. Do you feel, though, that you're getting the, the response that you had hoped for? You know, and, and I know this was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I was looking at something you tweeted, like, in the last day or two about the show in New York. And it was, like, something along the lines of, like, Spotify says I have, like, 6.5 thousand listeners, you know, come out to the show. And obviously, like... People streaming on Spotify doesn't always translate to people coming out, and it yeah. can be hard in a city like New York to get people out when there's 8 million other things going on. Sure. But are you starting to see the sort of response that you were hoping for with this record? I think so. It's only been out for like a month. Yeah. <laughs> um, I anticipate really good things. Just like anything else in life, um, it's just it's just nice to, to be at the place that I'm at mm -hmm. in the present moment and to enjoy what I do. And to have people behind what I'm doing and supporting it and wanting it to succeed. And, you know, that wasn't a thing I had before. So I feel pretty great. I, I, I would say, like, whereas before I would have been overwhelmed if things happened too fast. I'm in a place now where I'm like, I'd be fine if things, you know, happened a little quicker <laughs> at this point. Um, we'll see how things go, though. I mean, I don't... There's that sort of cliche about, like, having your whole life to work on the first record and then, like, six months to work on the second record. Obviously, like, you had done stuff before the, the, the quote-unquote debut, but in a sense, everything was kind of building up to that. And then these were songs that, that you had been working on for, you know, like, in some cases, like, four or five years. Are, are you already working on the next set? I mean, you know, how long do you think it'll take to get to number two? I mean, I definitely, I definitely have enough songs for... An, of, you know, the next two or three records, mm. you know, like I've been writing forever. It's just a matter of like figuring out what batch of songs do I want to group together? What story do I want to tell? And I'm always constantly writing too. Yeah, it's just, I, that'll be, uh, I'm already dreaming about like, you know, people I'd like to work with. Mm. I'd love to do another record with AJ. Like I love the flow that we have. We're already planning like a few like EPs yeah. to come out in the, in the new year that will be a slightly different than than this um so that'll be fun to look out for i mean it sounds like you're already at a point when you're sort of describing the person who's writing those songs you're already a different person now at the very least your relationship to faith it seems like has shifted within the space of four or five years yeah definitely for sure yeah and you know as they say when your life is a little more settled and and happy, it can be more challenging to mm. write in that space. Um, but the songs just, uh, just keep coming, so I don't I don't think they're gonna stop. 